Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station. Good morning and welcome to Community Connect with Edwina and Greg McHenry on OCRFM 98.3 and 88.7 FM along the coast. We were also streaming live at all the W's ocrfm.org.au. I would like to acknowledge the Wadawurrung people who were the traditional owners of the land we're recording on today and pay my respects to their elders both past and present. And we've got a touch of winter again, Ed. We sure have. It was cool under the doona this morning. Sure was, but we still had to get up because we had the young lad to get off to school. Today we're going to be chatting, and once again via Zoom, because we're keeping our physical distance and socially keeping connected by having our program continue. And today we've got Alex Jones, who's a community legal education and development worker at BCLS, and I'll get you to tell us about that acronym when I say good day to you. How are you, Alex? I'm well. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, you're the one Um, that basically caused it, aren't you? So you can only thank yourself. True. That's my excellent community development skills, Greg. <laughs> I know. It's, and it's sort of filtered its way down to me through our, our uh, networks, through email and everything else. So I've got to thank Jonathan to be, be precise in being able to talk to you now about your project, which is promoting a bar and warm safe home fancy face, Facebook group and what all yeah, that so- involves. Yeah, so maybe I'll just, um, you did say BCLS, I'll just tell the listeners what BCLS stands for, because um, maybe a lot of people don't know we exist. So I'm, I manage the community development practice at Barwon Community Legal Service, which stands for BCLS, and we're the free legal help for people living in the Barwon region, which includes the Colac Otway region. Okay. And we're running um, an exciting project called the Barwon Warm Safe Home Project, with, which is actually the brainchild of Becky, who we've also, um, who's also joining us from Warrnambool. So, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely not a project we've developed, but we're, um, we're running it in the Barwon region, which is exciting. That's fabulous. Now, now you've mentioned Becky, but it's Becky, uh, Becky Nevin-Berger. And you're from Empower. Now, I hadn't heard of Empower and I hadn't heard of you. But So welcome <laughs> to the program and g'day. G'day, Greg and Edwina. Thank you very much for inviting me to the program. And um, thanks, Alex, for um, using your wonderful powers of community development to get the ball rolling on it. Um, so I'm an elder abuse prevention project worker one day a week and I work with Empower, which is an organisation in Warrnambool. Empower provide um, a range of services, um, including uh, respite um, care for uh, younger people um, and support for younger people with autism and other special needs. The organisation that I officially work for is Auspice by Empower, so Southwest Carer and Respite Services Network which is a little bit of a mouthful, um, but they uh, provide a range of services and a range of network support for carers in the southwest of Victoria. So my role as Elder Abuse Prevention Project Worker covers the five local government areas in southwest Victoria. Okay, well, that means you're covering Colac, Karangamite. Do you want to name a couple of the areas because it really is a broad yeah, sure. sheet that you've got there? Yeah, so actually not Colac. Um, that um, Colac's uh, over in, in the realm that Alex works with. So Warrnambool, Karangamite Shire, Moinshire, Southern Grampians and Glenelg. So almost to Colac, not quite to Colac, and then all, all the way over to the South Australian border. With Colac, we are going to be involved in this project that we'll get to talk about and it's um, going to be a virtual forum that we're going to be promoting as well, I understand. Yeah, so it's um, so just to let listeners know, for Bowen Community Legal Service, we cover Colac, Otway, Surf Coast, Ballerine, and City of Greater Geelong. So yeah, we border um, where Becky is, but don't go quite to Warrnambool. And yeah, as part of the Bowen Warm Safe Home Project, where so it's a community art project that um, we'll probably talk a bit more about soon. But as part of that. We're running a virtual forum featuring the Commissioner for Senior Victorians, Jared Monsour, as well as Seniors Rights Victoria. And it's 
a forum that anyone can attend. You just need to register. And it will be talking about the importance of elder abuse prevention, but also um, be celebrating part of the Warm uh, Safe Home project that we're, that we're running at the moment. So. so what is, can we talk about elder abuse? We've, um, our last program, actually, we, just to let you know, we were talking on the carers aspect and giving carers respite. And so we were talking with that with um, Adam Cara and also Carers Vic. So you probably have come across people like Naomi um, Latiri and that in your travels, um, maybe. So we're looking at more from the, the person being cared for today. So we need to find out why there needs to be a group to protect the elderly. And we're not talking about from the institutions other than the family. We want to talk about the family side of it, do we? Who's going to take the banner on that one? <laughs> I've left um, I can, there I can, started. I'll, I'll speak briefly to it and then I'm sure Alex um, will have things to add. So um, the definition of elder abuse is any act that causes harm to an older person and is carried out by somebody that they know and trust, such as a family member or a friend. Um, so predominantly elder abuse is a form of family violence. About 92% of elder abuse cases happen within a familial relationship. So that could be a, you know, um, a spousal relationship. It could be siblings, um, other relatives or a de facto. Um, and it can be many people when... Um, I guess part of our work too is sort of uh, updating people's understanding of what constitutes family violence. So I think traditionally we've had an understanding or an image of family violence as something that's um, that's physical. And while physical violence is, um, of course, a form of family violence, uh, there, it can also include financial abuse, emotional abuse, neglect, um, sexual abuse and social abuse where somebody is isolated from their their social networks so the work that we do in this space i think um singers rights victoria have a definition of an older person um as being someone that is age 65 and over and i think when we're working with indigenous people that becomes um about 45 and over so it's about caring for people within that realm there are lots of things you, or you can do to cover yourself or a person do to cover themselves before they get to, well, to be over 65, as in, like with Edwina and I, if our children were to start to have a, a, a bicker or whatever about what we want as we get older and we're not capable, we've done our advanced care plan, uh, sorry, our advanced care planning. So that's one mechanism. You'd promote that within your circles and any other? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Like we would say having all of your supported decision-making documents in place is a really, really important protective factor for um, elder abuse prevention. And it's also um, a really important thing, I think, for family units in general to understand uh, your wishes and um, to have really clear communication around uh particularly health and decision-making um, going forward. And I think also um, just following on from what Becky was saying around elder abuse, that it goes to that really important right that all people have to live in safety. And I think in particular for older people, that is very, very important and very important to centre that right to make decisions um, on your own behalf. And I think... Um, as Becky mentioned, elder abuse can look different in so many different situations. It involves, you know, not just physical abuse, it involves financial abuse and that social and emotional abuse and neglect. And so part of um, this work is also taking a really rights-based approach to um, elder abuse prevention and really centering the, the right to make decisions about your own life that an, that an older person has which is really important. And so with the Warm Safe Home Virtual Forum, is that empowering older, older people, is it, as to what is available for them and where to put their hands up? Definitely. So part of the... So maybe, Becky, do you want to... I think it probably makes more... Do you want to talk about the Bowen Warm Safe Home Project first? 
um, to just let everybody know what we're talking about when we say Warm Safe yeah. Home Project. Yeah, look, it could be useful. Um, so the Warm Safe Home Project is an arts-based uh, project that we've used to as really as a way to have conversations around what we mean by elder abuse and what are the different issues that are involved in it. Um, the project began um, when I first started in this role. I'd not long had a conversation with a girlfriend who's been working um, in the social services sector for a long, long time and had worked with youth homelessness. She was currently working um, um, in family violence. And at that time, I was working in age-friendly communities projects. And what we just kept coming back to was the home and just how central access to secure housing was in so many um, so many. Um, situations in, in, in so many of the challenges. And when I began in the elder abuse prevention role, um, I was basically propositioned by my supervisor to go, rightio, the previous project worker has managed to yarn bomb the entire centre of town. What are you going to do? And because I, I guess, um, you know, I'd had so recently had this conversation, um, it, was, it, it was sitting there ready to go, the Warm Safe Home project. And it began from that really just a very simple idea of, everybody's got the right to a warm safe home but then the more you take that through and you begin to look at those intersections with ageism with respectful relationships and conversely with family violence um, with access to public housing so um, commissioner mensor says that something um, that is emerging is that often older relatives become the accommodation of last resort so how often is an older person um, providing accommodation to a younger relative or another associate because there's no other options for those for those people and very often that's a that's a wonderful altruistic thing to do in some situations um, it exposes that older person to unacceptable risks so the project's quite simple there's a cardboard template of a house um, people receive it it's flat they can collage on it you can you know we've had some that have just been written on um, they decorate it in some shape or another and then once it's assembled it looks like a, a cute little house with little windows um, they're really lovely when you display them publicly you'll find that people will be drawn to them because they're almost like little dolls houses and on the homes will be written, we ask people to respond to questions such as what does a warm safe home mean to you or uh, what did you love about your grandparents' house or what, um, what's something that you wish people knew about older people. And what happens when you show them on mass and they've got all these little statements on them, people begin to, to interact with that message. Um, and every now and then we throw in um, a blank house that might have something written on it, such as uh, caring for an older relative doesn't entitle you to dip into their super. And when people are contrasting those messages, um, I guess it's just a, it's a way to get people thinking about all of those different issues. So that's the, the short, long story of what the Warm Safe Home project is. And it sounds it'll have a great importance in the community. But your involvement, Alex, is, as a, as a uh, legal service, you've become involved, is it because you are involved in a lot of age abuse or what, is it your, your area gets or picks that up to you? So for Bowen Community Legal, it's definitely an area we practice in and our lawyers help people who are experiencing family violence and also elder abuse. But where my role comes into it is that we convene the Bowen Elder Abuse Primary Prevention Network. Um, so it's very similar to Becky's role, but for the Bowen region. And the reason why we do this is we recognise that, yes, it's really important to provide response services for people who are experiencing elder abuse and family violence. But it's also really important as a legal service that we work in the prevention space and we try to prevent elder abuse before it happens. And so our involvement in elder abuse prevention and the Warm Safe Home Project has come out of that recognition that it's so important to not only respond to community need when people are experiencing elder abuse, but what can we do and how can we have these conversations that Becky's mentioned around preventing it in the first place, which is really important. What other ways are there of preventing it? I've mentioned about preventing against by having your advanced care plans what other ways are there of doing so well i think becky touched on um one of the um 
causes or it's it's still very much a, an emerging area and emerging evidence base around elder abuse prevention family violence prevention we've we've got a you know 40 years of research and data but for elder abuse it's an emerging area that only in the last 10 to 15 years have we really seen this as a particular form and unique form of elder of family violence and i think Age discrimination and ageism is definitely at the heart of a lot of um, elder abuse prevention and elder abuse cases. And, and, and when you think about it in community, age discrimination is the most accepted form of discrimination and it's very rarely called out. And I think um, part of this beautiful project, I think, is that it really centres the value of older people in our community and the contribution that they provide to our community. And it's celebrating them as well. And I think part of the Bowen Warm Safe Home project is we'll hopefully profile some of the artists who are creating their own Bowen Warm Safe Homes. Um, and that's a really great opportunity to really celebrate the older people that we have living in our community. The older people living in the community are trying to stay within their own homes too, aren't they, rather than going into care? Yeah, well, I think particularly COVID has had a really disproportionate impact on older people in our community. They are particularly vulnerable um, group for COVID-19. And so a lot of older people, particularly in our catchment, have literally not been past their letterbox since March. And so to create a community art project that uses craft and a real tangible kit that's not virtual, it's not on the screen, you, you get a kit at your house that you can create. It also connects you to lots of other people in community because a lot of other people are also doing the same craft project together. So that's been a really nice um, benefit of this project that it's connecting older people in their homes who can... Um, do something creative and uh, also um, work towards elder abuse prevention as well. I think also it gives older people a voice and an opportunity to listen to stories from, from our elders. And, yeah, I think in my lifetime I have witnessed um, elder abuse. Um, I've also worked in aged care. Um, personal care and carers coming into homes can be abusive and I think that um, if we can empower older people to say you know what is actually going on when those carers come into their homes or uh, I'm I'd like to have someone more compatible come into my home um, you know uh, I've heard stories from people saying that they have given money, they were too afraid and handed money over to a carer that said she was poor and couldn't afford her petrol or, um, you know, different situations like that, not only family but others that come in and out of your home. And I think that's very important to know who's coming in and out and that you're comfortable with those people and you have a voice to be able to say why you don't like that person. And I guess that we begin, um, a, we learn as a community to name this for what it is. So something that when I first started um, working in this space was only was only recently and when I actually met um, I was working on an age-friendly project in a regional shire at the time and I met the elder abuse prevention project worker at that time and attended a seniors rights Victoria education system and uh, education um, workshop and found myself sitting there recognizing that I, I'd witnessed elder abuse um, at numerous times throughout my life and I realized how common it was yet people didn't know to call it that people knew that it was unfair and they knew that someone had treated someone else in a in a you know unjust way but they didn't have the language to name it as elder abuse for what it was and then when we know that we that it has a name and then 
moving on from that when we know that there are, there are actually things that can be done about it it's actually illegal you can you know there are some situations where it's quite appropriate to get, to get police intervention um, at a minimum that there is a, an amazing service like seeing is rights victoria um, that have a dedicated phone line that real people answer um, that there is support out there and is as a community if we know what to call it it makes it easy to call it out and that means that, that we can create that shift um yeah. yeah and not to be afraid to make that call look and not to be afraid to make that call but i guess to embracing that this is a process of growing um as a as a community and a culture and acknowledging that um that you may be uh you may be unsure about making that call or you may be um a little bit afraid of making that call but that's okay because there are supportive people that uh, that want to help you you're not okay you know you're not alone um so perhaps even though you may feel afraid to make that call make that call anyway yeah. because there is a caring community um yeah that, that's much better equipped these days than it was say 15 years ago to understand and respond to this issue well eddie and i are on the very close side of 70 and we do get out and about and talk and we, you know, we do our radio program. So we've got the awareness. How do we get other people to understand that or get out to realise they can or that they do have that voice? Do they lose it for some reason? Or is it because the age bracket now, you know, with us being post-war baby boomers, we were brought up to, to you know, just take what comes and we weren't really given a voice. So how do we educate people our age? Uh, I... I really view, and I think, again, um, I'm similar to Becky in that I've done lots of work around family violence, but for me, elder abuse, this was a relatively new area. And I think when you're talking about prevention, elder abuse is not just an older person's problem. This is a community problem. And I think really, yes, it's so important that older people know their rights and that they know that there's help there. There's Seniors Rights Victoria, there's the Orange Door, there's 1800 Respect, there's lots of services that people can access if they're experiencing elder abuse. But this is a wider community problem and this is a conversation that needs to be started at schools, it needs to be started with family units, it needs to be started with adult children who are, as Becky mentioned, predominantly the perpetrators of elder abuse. So this is, and I think it's unfair to make this just an older person's problem. This is all of our problems. And I think, you know, how we value our older people goes to the very heart of our community. And part of this work is centering and valuing our elders and, and the stories and um, connection that we have with the older people in our lives. Some cultures already do do that. Why is it that our culture doesn't? Oh, I think we do. We've seen the kinder kids in the nursing homes. Oh, we have. And um, I know when my father was in a nursing home, we were all there. Well, I was there nearly every day and I'd take mum and my children would bring their children, even the potty when someone was potty trained or whatever. You know, we just kept this as normal home. <laughs> it was fun. And so I guess that that's a really important point there, Edwina. Um, and something I found in talking to community groups and talking, you know, the icon of the house has been quite deliberately chosen because it's everything from what kind of relationships you have in a home to how often it is that the house is at the middle of an estate over which um, elder abuse is perpetrated. And I remember one afternoon speaking with some women in an artist group and um, this woman described her home as her whole family's home. That's how she saw it. She described that it as like a porous building, that people could come and go, that she welcomed her grandchildren there. If somebody needed to stay, there was always a bed, there was always food. It just came um, with the, the simple agreement that you respect me and I'll respect you. And I think that, um, as you quite rightly point out, respectful relationships and respect of our elders is everywhere. Um, one of the things that we, we do also need to acknowledge alongside that is that 
a lot of um, a lot of the representations that we have in media of older people end up being ages. So some of you know some of the ideas that are within our culture are not necessarily things that we would have chosen, but they're things that are active. Um, how often is um, you know perhaps it's changed um, since COVID, but advertising on TV. Most of the time, if it was an older person in an ad, it was an ad for funeral insurance or, you know, how often a beauty product sold is fight the signs of ageing. What is that? What does that even mean? Because the alternate to ageing's, you know. <laughs> so we've got some really ageist ideas that just kind of permeate. And with that, I think that sometimes we, we accept some lazy thinking around um, older people's worth. We've attached them. We've attached ideas of worth to some cultural notions that are probably really, probably more tied up with you know consumerism than they are actually in our in our inherent humanity. And that's what we've got to be careful of. Why, you know, why would someone have less rights as they get older? Why would that happen? Oh, yeah. I've heard of speaking to some allied health professionals and um, they were describing stories where older people have been treated unfairly by carers or family members and in one situation it was a discussion around hearing aids and the family member said, oh, look, don't worry about getting them for mum. What's the point? She's not going to need them for long. Oh. And when you stop and think about what is sitting in that and what how on earth can we accept that kind of thinking? What, you know? Um, and so and that's where we, you, you have to um, challenge it, call it out and, and be wary of that kind of creeping notions around someone's capacity or utility. And you, might, and you might have seen Respect Victoria's campaign around elder abuse and calling it out. And I think they have a very powerful line in that. It, it starts small, but it doesn't stay that way for long. And I think as a community, we need to recognise and call it out when we see it, even if it is a, a relatively small thing compared to some more serious cases of elder abuse, because this yeah this is all about responsibilities to call it out so we have to look at it from the family point of view and we'll have a little break with this too that we look at the family point of view that we ought to get each other to stand up as well instead of the family separating and becoming dysfunctional when it comes to handling the oldies you've got to you know stick together and do the right thing it's the same as the blokes in the pub being doing the right thing when someone puts their mouth out of place talking about a woman anyway there are a lot of different aspects to the abuses that go on we, we're going to have to get more people i think we need to give nat Atherton and the call or something or other to take this a bit further for the colic area i was thinking if you have seven children you only have to have one visit a week to your parents well, yeah that's all right isn't it but they've got everyone nowadays know. kids are all over the world <laughs> Well, now they're not because of COVID, but we won't go too much further into that. We need to, though, find out how it has really been affecting with your work because uh, yeah, that's a topic that's hot on everyone's lips. You're with Edwina and Greg on OCR FM's Community Connect here in Colac on 98.3 FM and in, on the coast at 88.7 FM. And we're also streaming live at all the WSOCRFM.org.au. I just want to put in that I loved going to see my mum and dad every day. Don't get me wrong, I spent lots of time with them. It was a joy. And in the long run, <laughs> I did it with her mum as well, so it's fabulous. Yeah, stick, go and see your old. They're good fun. Learn from them while you still can. Mm. Alex Jones, who's the Community Legal Education and Development Worker, Barwon Community Legal Service, and who we're still talking with. And we've also got, you've got to go through your own title for me, please, Becky, because Becky Nevin Berger is from Empower, and you are the. Elder Abuse Prevention Project Worker. Um, Plus. Technically, yeah, technically for Southwest Care and Respite Services Network. There you go. So that's a real mouthful on both parts. And it really is. Talking... Yeah, it takes me about five minutes to introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about, well, lots of things to do with aged people, and Eddie and I are in that. And uh, yeah, we're starting to get a real appreciation of how we are 
Well, a couple who are know, we do know our rights and we know how to talk them up and that uh, you people are working in that area of prevention. So what other areas of prevention can we talk about and especially expand, or just to give us another little rundown of the why we're here on the warm, safe home, because there's a lot to go on there and I also want to know how to get a pack. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we were really excited to uh, bring Becky's project to life in the Barwon region, particularly Colac, Surf Coast, Geelong and Ballerine Peninsula. Um, and for those of you who have just tuned in, the Barwon Warm Safe Home project is a community art project using craft to engage uh, community members, not just older people, but people from all ages in... Um, a creative task but also that explores um, the rights and respect of older people in our community and it involves creating a beautiful crafted cardboard house um, and decorated with some prompting questions around um, uh, how we value older people in our community and what a warm safe home means to you. So yeah, very excited to run this in the Bowen region. We've we've distributed nearly 800 houses so far to a real range of groups. So we've got lots of uh, community houses uh, involved. We've got a few primary schools who are really keen. We've managed to get a lot of childcare centres um, creating some warm, safe homes. And we're hoping to um, display all of community members' creations in a virtual exhibition, and that's on our Facebook page. So we've got a Bowen Warm Safe Home Facebook group, and I encourage everyone to um, like us on Facebook. And if you do like us, you'll be able to see some of the amazing work that everyone has created. You'll see if you check out our Facebook group um, now, we've profiled a really beautiful artist, Margaret. She's, I think, 84, lives in Geelong and has created our very first Warm Safe Home. So, yeah, very excited to see all of the Warm Safe Homes created around the Barwon region. Okay, now we have liked that Barwon Warm Safe Home Facebook group. So when we put the podcast to that, I'll tag it so as a, the people will be able to listen to this uh, podcast through there as well. Now, would it be worthwhile? I'll have to talk to the people at the studios. We are going to get maybe some houses or warm or some houses sent to our studios because I'm sure that the people there get involved because we're not the only oldies who work out of uh, OCR FM 98.3, you know, that... We would love to have you involved, Greg, definitely. And we do have some groups in Colac who will be participating. So we say the more the merrier. And, yeah, let's chat about how we can get a bow and warm safe home kit to you. Well, I reckon you should do that because we are community and we're a big part of community there. So I think it's well worth it. Now, you, before we had the break, though, Becky, you've got a few things you want to address as well. Um, yeah, look, I guess I'll just be, um, be worth having a brief chat around how the Warm Safe Home project left um, the southwest and um, found its way around Victoria. So we launched the project in 2019 as a part of the World Elder Abuse Awareness Day events that we were running in our region. Um, in February, up until February this year, I've been uh, going out to different communities in our region, uh, sharing the houses, running workshops. We'd also connected with quite a few men's sheds. And so we're actually having timber versions of the house that were made about a metre tall um, with the ambition that in World Elder Abuse Awareness Day in 2020, we would have a big display of houses all over our region and we were going to fill up a local shopping centre and everybody would have heard about our project and it would be wonderful. Um, in March this year, just like everybody else, um, how we did things had to change because of uh, the, the lockdown and the impacts of the coronavirus pandemic. So we made the decision to move the Warm Safe Home project online back in March. Um, and in the process of doing that, we, we actually found that we were reaching different community members. Um, when I was working out in the community and able to drive around our region, I was much more likely to be presenting these workshops sometimes to primary schools, sometimes to older community members, sometimes through neighbourhood houses. When we shifted it onto Facebook, we actually found that we were reaching 
probably more um, predominantly women um, and age probably between 30 and 60, which is a really important cohort for us to get out to. As I think in the earlier part of our segment here, Alex touched on that elder abuse is not just an older person's issue. It's a whole community issue. And so the more people, you know, the more mothers and daughters and sisters we have out there talking about elder abuse and what it means to have respectful relationships with older people, um, the, the more able we are to prevent this in our community. So in shifting the Warm Safe Home project onto Facebook, um, we made really good use of Australia Post um, back in March and we were putting little kits together and mailing them out here, there and everywhere. And then probably in about mid-May, we started receiving photographs from people of the little houses they'd made. And that was a really beautiful part of the project because I think initially we sort of sent them all out and you cross your fingers that you'll you'll get something back. And we just started getting this influx of really beautiful little houses, which just showed how people really connected um, with the idea. And from that, there's 10 elder abuse prevention networks around Victoria. And so I think um, Alex's network is probably the fifth, I think, to connect with the project. So we've been in Gippsland, we've been in Melbourne, and we've been in the Macedon Ranges. Um, I've even mailed kits right up into um, up to Coryong, I think, was one of the places I sent them to. Um, and so moving out of the next stage of restrictions as we're getting back into doing what we do with the community um, in southwest Victoria, we're reaching out to groups again and, uh, and are even optimistic about connecting with our men's sheds um, and getting some of those timber houses made as well. Well, connecting with the men's shed would be a great bonus because when you're talking about the cohort of the 30 to 60-year-old women, the uh, men's shed now have a, um, a quite a varied age group too because of, well, with COVID and the, the unemployment, the, the age of the men there is not necessarily all old and retired either. So if you're getting into that, that area of age on both male and female, or in all areas, um, that can only go towards great prevention further down the track in terms of age abuse? Absolutely, yeah. And, and one of the other things that we find there too is um, coming out of COVID, it's a real opportunity to support some of our men's sheds to restart and, um, and to, to, we know there's been a decline in participation, obviously due to COVID, um, and we know it's gonna take quite a bit um, to get those numbers of people participating in groups like men's sheds back up. When we're talking about preventive factors, that's um, certainly a preventive factor around social inclusion. So reaching the men's sheds, again, allows us to reach a different cohort, support that social participation. And very often we're, we're also finding that the men's sheds have got connections with other community groups in their areas, which is a really important way to, to work through our regions. Yeah, well, especially around Colac, the Otway area, the men's sheds and that have got a real community connect. Um, and a lot of the times they use a lot of community halls and that for, for their bits and pieces. This is in a way too with your notes, this is leading towards the 16 days of, of preventing violence against women. Um, it's a bit of a lead in and the way it's expanding through Victoria, Becky, are you seeing that it might get a further reach because it is a great idea? Um, it's one of the very strange silver linings of COVID um, in that it, you know, COVID uh, pushed us to rethink how we did this and, and pushed us to um, connect with other people. And so as we found uh, during World Elder Abuse Awareness Day back in June, where we found other networks and other community groups connecting with us from around the state, um, we're, we're finding that again now. It's phenomenal to know um, that Alex is rolling this out right through her region. Um, when we first spoke, Alex said, oh, am I being ambitious getting a thousand houses? And I was like, oh no, just get, just get 500. I think that'll, I think that'll be a good starting point. And then I think it was probably only about two weeks later that Alex got back in touch and said, yeah, I'm actually going to need to get the thousand houses. We've got that kind of reach. So it's amazing to know that, you, you know, that many people and are, are connecting and participating in this work. Yeah, well, that, the number of houses being far greater, I mean, Alex was pessimistic about it all. And see, I'm being optimistic, thinking that it can go even further than that by, you know, maybe next year you not only be doing a 1,000, it could be 10,000 around the place. So We're yeah. definitely thinking of 2021 already. I think um, I just want to make a special mention of the Barwon Elder Abuse Primary Prevention Network because this is a project that um, not just Barwon Community Legal are running. It's actually a collaboration of 
heaps of different other organisations across Barwon. So, you know, in our network, we have Ballerine Community Health, City of Greater Geelong, Victoria Police, Prestige in Home Care, Diversitat, Bethany, Bowen Health, Dementia Australia, um, Better Place Australia. It's a huge collaboration. And I think that that's a really important part of this work, that it's not just one or two organisations that are really championing elder abuse prevention, that all of our organisations see this as a big issue that needs to be addressed. Um, so, yeah, as a, as a network, as the Barwon Elder Abuse Primary Prevention Network, we're already talking about 2021 and how we might be able to run this project again because, yeah, we've got lots of people um, engaging with us and, and we've made it as part of the Seniors Festival program, which has been really exciting that a lot of people have been able to still participate in Seniors Festival uh, remotely um, from their own homes. And so that's been really successful. And the part that I was hoping we could uh, talk about too is the, uh, the lead in that has got for the 16 days of activism against violence against children and women. That is an, an integral part of it as well, is it not? That this lead in is occurring? Yeah, it's a really important timing i think so for the 16 days of activism starts on the 25th of november and on the 25th of november we'll be holding the warm bow and warm safe home virtual forum featuring the commissioner for senior victorians jared Mansour, and seniors rights victoria as well as a host of other local services um and the Commission is such an engaging speaker and it's a really important um, aligning of elder abuse and family violence prevention and the 16 days of activism. So we encourage all the listeners out there to jump on our Facebook group and um, register for the virtual forum that we'll be holding for the 16 days of activism. All right. Now, how much does it cost for that? It's free. <laughs> Oh, there's got to be some kind. No, so it's all done via Zoom. The only thing is you have to be a little bit just savvy with your, your Zooming bit, but most people are nowadays. Yeah, well, I'm speaking to a group, U3A, Geelong U3A. I'm speaking to them on Thursday, and they've started up Zoom School, and it's amazing. They've got 50 participants Zooming in, and they're probably all over the age of 70, so very Zoom literate. That's wonderful. And over the age of 70 is not that bad, though. The rest are talking from our own point of view. No, because we won't be ageist ourselves because we can be reverse <laughs> ages, can't we? With, the, with COVID and what's happened, though, with our technology, has it changed your operation? Well, it has for the time being while we're under the COVID restrictions. So in both your circles, Empower and also Bowen Community Legal Service, Will you see or do you believe there'll be changes ongoing that you've picked up because of what's happened to us with the pandemic? So at the moment for Barwon Community Legal, we're providing all legal help and legal assistance via phone. So um, no in-person at the moment. We are at court and we're helping people at court, but again, doing that virtual, like as much as possible virtually. Um, and look, I think COVID and how we engage with community, we're doing a lot of virtual uh, events and engagement and workshops via Zoom. Um, but I, I do feel that COVID has changed us a little bit and, and changed us probably a little bit forever. And I think um, the silver lining, I think, of COVID, and Becky mentioned it before, is that by moving things online, it does require some digital literacy, but it's also reaching people who would never have engaged with us in the first place. And particularly living in regional communities like around Colac and um, Apollo Bay and other kind of regional communities that we can't physically get to all the time in person, it's enabled a lot of people from across our region to engage um, that we wouldn't have otherwise reached. So that may continue? Um, I think, well, I think it will transition um, going forward. But, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to... to to really have a crystal ball and see see yeah. how it's all going to pan out. Well, maybe, and I'm being fair thinking with this, you know, all children nowadays, they require an iPod or a, some device or other for their education. Could you see it that maybe 
the government needs to look at supplying all households with a device that is going to enable them to to have that access security as well. That you know, for the oldies, for the, us who aren't, or for those who aren't literate and don't have the the, the facility that they not only provide the facility but also the ability. I think that um, there's certainly. I'm not going to speak to to that kind of huge rollout. Um, however, there's certainly um, a role there for libraries, and I think that that was something that was happening pre-pandemic. You find lots of libraries, especially in regional communities, really help to to bridge that digital divide, um, and they do that in a number of ways. One by by at least having a, a Wi-Fi dongle um, where you might have patchy internet, at least you could go to the library and access their dongle so you could get on the internet there. And then often librarians that are skilled um, in how to use that technology and, and are also um, often patient, generous teachers that have been able to, um, and you know, and you will very often find um, libraries running those digital uh, literacy workshops, which are just so, so important. So I'd suggest that potentially that, that space um, will only become more and more important. Um, and, and something that's been, um, you know, an interesting development in this space has been that during COVID there have been people that would have perhaps never had the necessity to get online and to push themselves to learn yeah. how to use a device. Um, that by the necessity of this um, this pandemic that we've all lived through have done that. And, and I think that that's fantastic because, I mean, it really speaks to our capacity at any age, you know, for lifelong learning. And I think that that's the challenge that digital connection throws to us is that we've, we're never, none of us, no matter what age you are, you're never going to know everything about digital technology. You only ever need enough to use it on the day that you've got to use it um, and to have more and more older people engaging in that technology, especially in the regions, is just so fantastic because mm -hmm. it... It's an enabler. It's a connector. Um, it makes it easier for us to access services. So, yeah. Well, we need to make sure our older people, such as ourselves and older, have give, are given the confidence instead of all the way these whiz kids do stuff that they need to slow down. And we need to be able to say to them, okay, I can see what you're doing there, but can you do it a little bit slower for me, please? And, and importantly, Greg, the other advice is... Don't show granddad or dad or, you, you know, don't, uh, sorry, don't do it for them. Show them how to do it. Um, Slow yes. down. When you buy, you know, when you give your grandma your old smartphone because you got a new one for kitchen, actually take the time to log out of your Apple account and teach grandma how to set up her Apple account so that you're, as someone used to phrase it um, that I've worked with, a digital enabler, not a digital disabler. Yeah, um, because that, that quite often can happen. You're spot on there, Becky, because I've seen it happen so many times. Yeah, it, oh, look, it really, really happens. And it's that it's certainly it's not it's certainly not elder abuse, but it's something that we can, if we're thinking about prevention and we're thinking about protective factors, ability to access a digital world that's such a big part of society is one of those. And so it's just taking, having a little bit more thought about what does your older relative need from you? for you to be actually be really genuinely helping in that space. Well, at the moment, this elderly couple here, what we do is we actually saw my son and three grandchildren briefly on the weekend. We'd love it all to be opened up so we could see all of our grandchildren and have all our homes and everything back together because we really miss them. And I think there yeah, are a lot of people out there saying, so all we've got to know, what do we say to them, Ed? Keep going. Oh, we can all learn from each other and I think we just need to be a little bit patient for a little bit longer. A little bit longer. Yeah, just be a little safe, bit longer. <laughs> which will give me, it just gives me the time, I will make mention because everything's going pretty well regionally and especially around Colac now. But if you do have any symptoms, please, 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 you go and get yourself tested and it's at the, um, where are we being tested? It's at the... Uh, Colac neighbourhood house still. I'm not sure of the time. It'll be published Wednesday afternoon. This is going to air from, this will be on air now. It'll be published later on this afternoon as to the times. But you make sure if you are feeling a bit crooked, you've got any of the symptoms of COVID, get checked out. And before we do go, we just reiterate the, the virtual forum on the war, warm, safe home is on on the 25th of November. 
Yes, from 2.30 to 4. Um, and you can register online and I'll post the details on the Facebook group so people who are interested can check it out and register and they'll get the Zoom link once they register, um, featuring some really great speakers. So if you're finding yourself with some time on a Wednesday afternoon on the 25th of November, you should definitely tune in. Okay, and the, putting up on the uh, the blog for the podcast, that uh, for more info, you contact education at barwoncls.org.au. You can That's it. Uh, um, email Karen Crockford at bch.org.au. And there's also the 1300 number, 1300-430-599. So you don't forget, get yourself organised onto the Bowen Warm Safe Home for Forum. That's um, where, where you get it on the Facebook. And everyone yep, does Facebook now. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Becky, we've got to thank you. You're really the one who put this all together, but you were the... Yeah, you were second in line when somehow or other it happened, but uh, it's fabulous that we got hold of you. So thank you very thank much. Thank you so, yeah. Thank you very much. And it's actually just amazing hearing how Alex and the crew down there in Barwon are rolling this out. It's, I've loved it the whole way through watching how, you know, someone can take a little house and make it their own, but then watching as other networks actually roll it out. I can't wait to see all those little houses on display um, during the 16 days of activism. So, yeah, thanks for having me, Greg and Alex. Now, now with, with this, the song that I think you should have chosen, but you didn't, because from your little idea, big things are growing and they probably will get better, that uh, maybe you should have chosen that, from little things, big things grow, but you didn't. You've chosen Bill Withers and it's Grandma's Hands, and it's one of Bill Withers that I haven't heard before, and you laughed at me because of that before, both of you. <laughs> you both need a smack. <laughs> being ageist. Just, just being ageist at me because I've not heard abuse. this song. That's yeah. <laughs> but anyway, what else have we got? Is there anything else you've got to say? I think that's about it, isn't it? I think it's great. Yes, thank it's you. Been, it's been great having you. You too, Alex Jones from Bowen Community Legal Service. It's been fabulous talking to you both. We will go over the Bill Withers track. You've been with Ed Wenger and Greg McHenry on Community Connect here in Colac, 98.3 FM and 88.7 on the coast. Which we have been streaming live at all the wsocrfm.org.au. And we'll talk to you again next week. Cheers. Yes. Thanks for listening to this OCRFM podcast. Head to ocrfm.org.au to find more great content and information about how to donate and support this community radio station.